Welcome to episode 56 of the Ministry of Skill podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. One of my first jobs as a consultant is to shift their mindset because once you shift the mindset, then it, I mean, the rest of it is just logistics. I mean, you can, you can put systems, processes, tools, all that will follow. But the key thing is for, especially for the leadership of the church to shift their thinking about the way things happen. Today, we're going to be talking with Nachi Lazarus. So, so when I first met Nachi, it was when we were sharing the stage at an NRB conference two or three years ago. I, I tell you, I was immediately impressed with his ability to communicate complex, complex topics in a way that, that, that everybody could understand. He just made you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. I get it. And, and Nachi is the co-founder and chief consultant with Open Minds Agency. He's based in India, serving churches and nonprofits on how to use social media to grow their audience. So Nachi, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here once again with you. So, so I got to ask, um, you're in India today. I'm in Iowa, in the United States. What time is it where you're at today? It's 6.30 in the evening, 6.30 p.m. 6.30 p.m. It's 7 o'clock in the morning here, which means I'm up a little bit earlier. You're staying a little bit later. 12 hour difference, but uh, well, thanks so much for carving out some time. Really, really appreciate it. You're very welcome. We're literally on the other side of the globe, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So Nachi, tell us your story. How is it that you have chosen to bring your digital media talents to the, ner- to the church and nonprofit space? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so I started out, uh, let me combine a little bit of my faith story as well. So yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I'm the first Christian in my house, by the way. Um, yeah, I, uh, my faith journey and my professional journey uh, were almost took off parallelly uh, because uh, just out of college, I had started uh, uh, getting to know God. And uh, as as before my Christian life, I was studying a lot of scriptures. I wanted to become a religious, uh, almost like a monk kind of a person. Mm. Uh, I grew up with a lot of knowledge or a lot of awareness about who God is. Um, When I was a kid, my mom told me that uh, the most important thing in your life for success is knowing this person called God. I mean, Mm. she she was not even a Christian. I don't know where she got that idea from but hmm. uh, she that's what she told me so I grew up in a lot of awareness about God uh, and uh, eventually as I finished my college uh, I, I was starting to seek in the sense now I use that word seek but those days was just research you know very interested in God theology kind of thing so yeah. I read a lot about a lot of different things and eventually long story short uh, became a Christian. Uh, so my professional life as it took off as an engineer, marketing, MBA, I was MBA in marketing. Uh, as that took off, my spiritual life also took off. But mm-hmm. I did not at that point realize that I would end up working with churches and Christian organizations. I started out working with businesses and um, uh, had a traditional uh, first few years. I worked in uh, corporates, uh, worked in AIG and a few Allianz and uh, maybe companies that you might know. And also with some uh, large banks here in India. I did quite well in studies, so I got placed very early in my career. So I worked as a corporate executive for a few years. And uh, then I started my business and uh, my 
wife and I, at that time we were not uh, married, but we're business partners. <laughs> so we started our agency together and it was traditional ad agency. So we both are marketing students. She is MBA okay. marketing, I'm MBA marketing. So we met in business school. So we are marketing crazy lovers. Like we love marketing. <laughs> so we, uh, we loved advertising. All I wanted to do was work in ad agencies. So uh, I worked in marketing career and then I started my agency. So for the first few years, we really worked on various businesses, consulting and so on. But uh, towards 2007, eight, which was one of the first, my one of my first trips to the US, um, as we came there for work and business, I started seeing this, I started sensing this shift and, and I was staying in a friend's place. This was a business ministry uh, uh, organization and the founders were great friends of mine. And we, I was staying in Mountain View, California. And uh -huh. as you know, the whole situation, and this was just like Facebook was just born and mm -hmm. uh, uh, iPhone one, not 12 iPhone one was there, not even called one. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so it was just taking off and, and right there, Chad, something just kept moving in my heart. And I started sensing God's uh, leading in this space. Mm -hmm. And just even for our audience who are listening to us, I mean, uh, God is always preparing. He's preparing his people. He's preparing the time. So way back uh, in those days, 2007, eight, I came back from that trip. And I went to our, our pastor in our church and I said, look, we got we to do digital. And he said, yeah, let's do it. I mean, he's a visionary. So he mm -hmm. said, let's do it. So one of my first assignments in the digital space was my church, even though it's not business-wise doing mm -hmm. that work. So we kicked off in 2007, eight. Can you imagine we did live stream of our church service? Wow, that's and, great. Yeah. Yeah. And in one corner of India where we only had bandwidth for audio. So we used to put a dongle uh, that gave us like enough bandwidth to push audio stream. And we used to do that. We'd watch like 100 people, 10 people, five people listening to it. And we were so excited. And yeah. then, you know, uh, fast forward to 2020, uh, all churches wanting to get into live stream. We just look back and say, how God led us there. So, yeah, uh, yeah so, that, so that's gotta, my journey into this space. I, I got to ask, as, uh, you know, everything happened in 2020, every church pretty much was on live stream for at least for a time, if they're not still on, did you find yourself and your church, like were other churches coming to you and saying, Hey, how do you, how do you do this? How do you get in and uh, uh, get, get this up and going? Were you kind of looked at as the consultant to help folks get there? Absolutely. I mean, we yeah. were inundated with inquiries and work and really, I mean, we, it was the busiest time of our lives. So yeah. uh, that season we were sitting at home and trying to help. And I knew uh, at that time, in all humility, I realized how God had prepared us for a time as this, because I, by then I had written the book. So 2008 to 2012, 13, I had worked in 2013, uh, God told us completely move because from 2008 to 12, we were doing both business work and faith-based work. But mm -hmm. around 2012, 13, God moved us completely to the faith-based space. Okay. So between then and 2017, I had gained all the uh, uh, knowledge and experience and I released my book in 2017 mid and um, and uh, just when 2020 hit, uh, which is when we met uh, before I came back and the whole I mean, it is incredible that I think you and me met in January uh, or February, maybe. And then I got back in March and the whole That's world right. changed upside down. Right. I'm glad yeah. I got to meet you in person, you know, yeah. before that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, that, that was great. That was very good. So, so I'm just curious 
as you were as you were seeking or researching just as far as hey who is god what does he look like uh, who were some of the influencers and you know growing up in india i mean i'm sure there was a hindu or a muslim presence as well what what leaned you towards christ as opposed to other the other world religions out there just just curious yeah sure thanks for asking my mom was a doctor my dad was uh, a businessman so we we were very academic in our home so mm-hmm. i did quite well in studies i i loved books and i was reading a lot and as i told you my mom always talked about god and and said you have to understand this person called god so i was trying to understand god so as i got deeper and deeper and deeper into various world scriptures and various faiths uh, that are out there um i i kept going deeper and deeper and it was not none of it was christian so i was just going deeper and deeper and uh, I, I i was getting to the point where they started talking about like the ultimate salvation experience the mm. uh, if you know in in terms like in the eastern religion terms it was like you know attaining the level of enlightenment so mm-hmm. i had gone to that level of study almost 12 years of research and study as a kid uh, right from my very young age i've been studying and uh, got to this enlightenment point so at that point i had a huge question chat in my mind because i had asked i i went to the point where i was almost going to become like a uh, somebody who is just going to dedicate the life for spiritual you know purposes yeah. and i asked them so what is the enlightenment path so all that i was studying they told me look in enlightenment they will tell you the ultimate secret of life and then after that you will become a new creation type of a thing i said oh, okay what is that ultimate uh, secret and the secret was you are that in, in other words it's like you are god that was the ultimate enlightening statement that i was going to get before i became a spiritual man hmm. so at that point until then i was okay but at that point something didn't connect to me if i was god then the world is in trouble you know like remember <laughs> <laughs> that bro i know not you but if, if we are god man yeah, yeah that would be scary I mean, yeah i mean i i understand that we are like god i understand that we are made by god i understand that we are the image of god all those things yeah. but yeah. i can't be god and they said no that's the truth see people don't accept it but ultimately you are god everybody is god kind of a thing hmm. so i said hold on hold on i mean that doesn't make sense so i i just said let's pause this for a minute because I, in my head i'm an engineer right for me one is 100 there's no 0.5 so it's got to be like black or white so i said look this doesn't make sense so i'm going to put it on hold and i remember my mom's statement the most important knowledge you will have in your life is the knowledge of god so i don't want to miss that one key knowledge you know what i mean yeah. like yeah. you get the most important clarity messed up then you're like completely messed up so i said no no let's put it on pause and then later uh, towards the end of my college life uh, is when i went to a church and this is the beauty of the whole thing chat uh, i'm sitting in this church after years of having this thing in my head mm-hmm. so in my head there was this circle i'm a visual learner Mm-hmm. so if you can imagine uh i'm sorry about people who are list- just listening to us if you can imagine uh, a circle uh just a circle starting at the bottom and kind of uh, going and connecting at the top so the mm-hmm. whole thing by the time it connects would be a circle so if your audience can imagine that one side was me and the other side was god so there mm-hmm. was an origin with god and it was like forming a circle and at the end they said you are god so the the circle has to connect 
for me, that connection was a problem because I can't be God. I had mm-hmm. my jealousy and the, all those things inside me, which was all messed up. Mm-hmm. So I said, so that circle was not complete. So in some sense in my head, the circle of life for me was not mm-hmm. complete because I was unable to meet with this mm-hmm. holy God. Mm-hmm. Now that's where it stopped. And then years later, Chad, I'm sitting in this church and this pastor, who's our pastor now, he gets on stage and he talks about, he says, here is how the circle of life gets completed. One side is a sinful man and the other side is a holy God. And if you can imagine the circle and on top of the circle, you put a cross. The cross links the sinful man to a holy God. I mean, imagine that like like an electric circuit, you would put a connector in between. The horizontal bar of the cross is the connector. And Mm. and that was God's plan. The moment he said that, boom, you know, in my mind, just just blew my mind. And I said, and that answered like a gazillion questions I had about theology. And even today, people ask me, what about, you know, your faith? Tell us about God. What do you do? From that one picture, I can almost answer every single question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I mean, I've, I've seen the bridge illustration, which is very similar, but tying it to the circle of life, that makes a ton of sense. I've never heard that before. That's uh, <laughs> that's beautiful. And I, I love what you said earlier, you, you know, God, the experience that God, the experiences that God are taking us, God is taking us through now is preparing us for what's next. Um, and, and whether it's, it's true in all of our journeys, all of our journeys mm-hmm. that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what we're experiencing, what we experienced yesterday was preparing us for what we're facing today, which is preparing us for what he's going to have us for uh, tomorrow in the future. And, uh, I think if we can have that perspective on life and realize that, that, uh, even if it's a, a, a challenging experience, like going through a pandemic, it's still preparing us for his work in the future. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about the book that you wrote, The Connected Church, and, and just what prompted you to write that? And then what are some of the, 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 the key principles that you encourage folks who really want to have a connected church to, to, to be able to do in there? Yeah. Uh, in Like I said, uh, in 2007-8, we had started working in this space, and I was just, you know, almost like uh, experimenting with various faith-based ministries and also businesses. And we were just doing this uh, half time. And uh, towards 11, 12, uh, really, there was a big move in my heart watching various things. At that time, I was in uh, Australia uh, traveling and doing some work with um, uh, a client there. Um, And the client, they were not a Christian company, but the founders were Christians. So we were working together on some projects and so on, some e-commerce projects. And at that time, I was staying there and one event happened there, Chad, that just, I mean, these events that that kind of have this huge impact on your life, right? So this was one of those moments for me. It was a God moment. So this was a square, a beautiful place in Australia. It was a lovely square, Sunday morning, uh, Sunday evening. Sunday morning, I had preached uh, my friend and me, my friend who had invited me, he'd taken me uh, around preaching because I also shared my story and preach to churches. Um, so I, I shared my story in the in an evangelical um, uh, Anglican church and uh, that morning. And then we came back and we stayed in a hotel. And the evening was this beautiful, lovely evening in the square. 
I started walking around. I said, I'm not going to be stuck in a hotel room. I'm going to walk around. Mm-hmm. So I, I just started walking and I came across three characters that just completely transformed my, uh, my life in a sense, because uh, we did not want to get into this faith-based space. People actually scared me when I said that. They said, are you crazy? Like even today, even today, some of my friends are like, you got to be bold, man. I mean, to say that you want to work only with churches and ministries because they, they see they say there's no money, it's not professional, all that kind of stuff, you know. So I wasn't planning to get into this place, but this event, Chad, just completely created an impact in me. So I saw three characters. I won't go too long into it, but basically three characters. The first was a street preacher who was standing in that square. I still, I can vividly remember him now. He had this Bible and very neatly dressed and he was a fantastic speaker. And, and I've never done street preaching myself, even though I preached a lot. I never done street preaching. So I was fascinated. So I stood there and listened and he was fantastic. I mean, uh, the point that he spoke was amazing, but no one, not even one person in that square mm-hmm. paused and listened to him. So well, I thought, okay, fine, you know, Sunday evening, Bible preaching, who would any, who, why would anybody want to stop? It just made sense. But the interesting thing is not that people did not, uh, they ignored him after stopping, but people actually didn't even pause. Like they were just walking as though he didn't mm-hmm. even exist. Mm-hmm. Now that to me, like, you know, was a question because I was a communicator. I'm a marketing guy. Mm-hmm. I want to know why is somebody communicating a good message, not able to reach his audience. Mm-hmm. So I thought about that and moved on. I walked a little bit and uh, I came across this musician, this little girl sitting there playing a beautiful flute. Same thing. People just walk by. Now I said, now hold on. I mean, I understand if somebody who's preaching the Bible did not get an audience. Why, why is this girl not getting an audience? Because she's beautiful. It's a lovely, warm sun out there. It's beautiful Sunday evening. People are relaxed. It's not even like a work day. Why are people not sorry? They're still going by. And then the third character is a salesman. Same thing. He had a great offer, but nobody's so they stood there and I knew Holy Spirit was doing something because when God does this intentionally, maybe in other days people would have stood, but that day nobody stood for anything. They just kept walking by. Hmm. I was like, what's going on? God said, Nachi, how do people hear things? I said, what do you mean? I mean, like the ear. So I could hear the Spirit tell me, look at people's ears. And I looked hmm. at it. They all had a headphone. Yeah. On that particular yeah. day, almost 80% of that a group, I think God orchestrated that also, had either an earphone or a headphone inside. So Chad, I just realized the one of the most, I mean, it just, uh, first of all, it looks like a silly observation, of course, duh, but it is not duh only when you realize that the, the significance of that, mm-hmm. this coming, mm-hmm. so God told me right there, Nachi, the coming generation's ears are not available for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Hmm. their ears are already occupied. They have an AirPod, they have a headphone, they have a earphone, whatever is occupying them. So it was a symbolic way of mm-hmm. God telling me if the church did not get into the device that was powering the headphone, mm-hmm. there is no way my message is going to reach people and faith comes by hearing. Mm-hmm. And the only way people are going to hear is by churches and ministries getting into the digital uh the technology that's going to help them like podcasts that people are listening to now and mm-hmm. all of that, that is going to get into the ears of people through this headphone. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'm done here. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to ignore this. And uh, that was my uh, kickoff point, Chad. And that's how I moved into this whole space. Yeah. Now that's, uh, that's, that, that's great. And you know, in, on the state side, so many 
uh, ministries have a view of digital as, oh, digital is going to help my donations or digital is going to help my marketing. And what you described is what, what our passion here at 5Q is to help people use digital for ministry. And it can be a way of impacting people's hearts and lives. And uh, you know, that picture you painted of, of people with walking around with headphones, earbuds, earbuds now with uh, earbuds in and just realizing, you know, that's, uh, that's their world. And how do you break through that world? Uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, when Gen you, Z, sorry. No, no go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm, I, I can go on and on about this because I it just, like the Gen Z, my, my nephew, I'll just say this, say, share this one thing before I let you go. So one of my um, nephews, he's a young guy, he's like 15 or something. So he was here in our home and he was, uh, he, had, he had done some, uh, you know, crazy disobedient stuff that uh, mobile was banned for him. So he couldn't contact his friends, right? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have a phone while he's here. Uh, but he's like, you know, uh, he's sitting there and laughing and playing his video game and he's, he's very happy and laughing. And I know this guy, I've been seeing, seeing him from two years. So I'm like, this guy's happy. I mean, he's not really remorseful about his, uh, you know, mm-hmm. punishment. He's really, really happy. What's going on. So I let, I call him and I said, Hey, aren't you like sad that the phone went away from you? You're not able to talk to your friends. He looked this side and that side. He's like, uh, mama, mama means uncle in our language. So he said, mama, don't tell anybody. I just had a nice little chat with all my friends. But I said, but you don't have your phone. And he said, no, I was playing video games. You see, yeah, that's where we chat. That's where we connect. Yeah. We, I don't need yeah. the phone to connect. I'm like, wow. I mean, you know, anyway, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah that's the, the flip side of that is I, uh, um, you know, my son is the same way. He's, he's, when he's gaming, he's talking through whatever channels they are. We didn't let our kids have smartphones until their senior in high school. And I had wow. my, one of my daughters came up when she was a senior and she went to my wife and said, mom, thank you. I look around and I see all the drama that all my friends in the public high school are, are experiencing. And I don't have to deal with a fraction of that. And I mean, now she's out of the house and she communicates with my wife through her phone every day. And so she's very communicative, but she got it by the time she was a senior, she, she got it. And uh, that, that was a real blessing for us to, to just, yeah. to, just to see that. Yeah. You know, yeah, so it's so important. I mean, parenting is has been in my heart. And I, I just want to tell your audience at this point, I remember our conversation in NRB. I walked up to you and we both sat down and in a piece of paper, I asked you, what is your advice for a new father? Because I just had a baby at then. And you wrote down a few pointers for me, Chad. I really appreciate it. You, you are a really a model uh, for me and you, the book you recommended is completely transformed our lives, like shepherding uh, a child's heart. So yeah. Well, thank God. you so much. Yeah. yeah. Praise yeah. God. That's uh, that's what it's about. It's brothers helping brothers yeah. along the journey. It's uh, yeah. it's uh, we're all in process. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so let's talk about the digital side. You know, like when you first start working with a church, what is the number one thing that you encourage them to do or to change or to, how, how do you approach that? Yeah. One of the first things I ask is, who do you want to reach? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's a it's a mindset shift for most churches. I'm not saying all churches. I think mm-hmm. most churches have 
uh, have come through this journey, but many churches that I try to help are churches that want to get started and want to get moved, uh, or even if they've started in the pandemic, they want to move to the next level. So yeah. I sit there and I, one of my first jobs as a consultant is to shift their mindset because once you shift the mindset, then it, I mean, the rest of it is just logistics. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, you can put systems, processes, tools, all that will follow. But the key thing is for, especially for the leadership mm-hmm. of the church, to shift their thinking about the way things happen. So I asked them, who do you want to reach? That's like my typical first question. And yeah. most of the time, guess what I hear? Everyone. Everybody. Everyone. <laughs> that's right. We hear that too. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's like my first mindset shift that I work on with leaders because I have mm-hmm. this thing saying, okay, everyone fine, but how do people consume content today? There's like uh, through their phone. Okay. So even if they're a group, how do they consume? In their phone. And when, when they look at their phone, are they looking at it as a group? Everybody's like, no. So how are they looking at it? One-on-one. I said, yes. So the first shift Mm. that I give is it's not everyone, but one. Mm -hmm. So I keep saying that again and again for the first few days of my engagement with them. I tell them your your ministry should move from reaching everyone to one, everyone Mm -hmm. to one, everyone to one. So, and the more I do that people, and then naturally other things in the digital world, which are tactics like persona, uh, you know, defining your audience, uh, defining how you reach them, uh, mm-hmm. knowing how they work, all of this starts falling in place. And once they understand that, the digital starts making so much sense because then they realize that even if they're reaching a million people, every one of them is one. And, mm-hmm. and the one is what multiplies to a million. So I think, mm-hmm. that, yeah, thanks for asking that question. Nobody's asked me before this. Interesting uh, how I start my work. <laughs> Well, well, that that is so key. I, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. right? As far as the the what, what you said about about the importance of mindset, and mm-hmm. uh, so you talked about one shift in mindset that you're not just reaching a you're you're not reaching a faceless mass. You're reaching individual people. What are other mindset shifts that you that you encourage folks to folks yeah. to think about? Yeah, typically three mindset shifts. One is, mm-hmm. uh, of course, everyone to one. The second is uh, uh, about the channels. So typically people want to, um, churches specifically, they want to be on all channels as much as possible. So that's another mindset shift that I work with. And I say, okay, let's define where your audience are. So we kind of go into uh, the audience presence. But they say, you know, sometimes they say, okay, my young people so we divide the uh, group, we say, we draw out personas and we say, these are the, uh, you know, five different persona variations in your church and so on. And then it, it invariably happens, as you know, in churches that one or two persona are on the younger side. Mm-hmm. And then we go into where are they right now? Where do they spend most of their time? And typically mm-hmm. like channels like TikTok and all those come up and then the leadership and usually the media teams are like, look, but we are not comfortable with that. Uh, and, and then my second mindset shift starts where I say, it's not about what you are comfortable with. It's yeah. about what they are comfortable with. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, and then we go on to workflows and saying, but if I'm not comfortable, how do I do that? And it's like, you don't have to do it. If you're not comfortable, you don't have to do it. We'll just figure out ways to make it happen. Maybe mm-hmm. hand it over to another younger pastor, maybe hand it over to somebody else, but you give the guidance so that theologically everything is fine and there's a structure to it. So things like that. So uh, logically, that's the second mindset shift. So first is everyone to one. Second yeah. is to say, uh, you know, 
how do you uh, uh, establish your presence in the right places? So yeah. in my book, I talk about the six um, steps uh, or uh, it's called a spirit framework, S-P-I-R-T. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sequentially it goes from structuring to uh, uh, packaging, to uh, uh, integrating, to releasing, to uh, igniting and uh, tracking. So those are the six things. So I kind of take ministries through one by one and keep changing the mindset shifts on each of this. So, so here's what I love about that. Very, I think you're the first podcast interview I've had that have talked about the importance of mindset. And mm -hmm. I, I want our, our audience to, to really grasp the importance of that because the five Q, we actually have the five marks of a healthy digital mindset and, uh, um, you know, relationship is not, it's a, it's a conversation. It's not just proclamation and it's personalized, not generic are two of ours, which, which is exactly right in the, in the realm of, of, of what you're talking about there too. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit more just about your spirit framework and uh, you buzz through those really quickly. Um, so, so yeah, let's just start, start at the top with S and, uh, yes. and so I want to encourage our audience as you're listening to this, be asking yourself, Hey, what parts of these are we applying and what parts of these could, or should we be applying to what, what we're doing in the digital space? Yeah. The, uh, the very first thing is structuring. Yes. is for structuring. Mm -hmm. So structuring is basically giving a foundation or a shape to your digital ministry, because unless you form like, and, and I, and I thought through it and, and people say, Oh, you came up with the spirit word. You know, it was not intentional. Honestly, uh, I, I just fell in place. I think God, God kind of put that in my heart. So yeah. uh, it is spirit. It's easy to remember. Yeah. But at the same time, I also thought about when I, what is the first step? I think about Genesis in Genesis, mm -hmm. God gave structure to man he mm -hmm. breathes uh, into the body he first created the body out of the sand and give him a structure so mm -hmm. i think it's a very logical thing for digital ministries to start with the structure so give it a bone give it a flesh start so structuring basically quickly for a two-minute version involves structuring your team structuring your goals structuring mm -hmm. your purpose structuring your uh, channels and your content and all of that so putting them in order so i, I have various uh, other sub mini frameworks that go into that where we help people put each in place so like who's going to do what what are we going to accomplish mm -hmm. all those questions come into the structuring so that's the first piece yeah so so structure then yeah just walk us through the whole the whole spirit yeah. part yeah sure sure the second is packaging so once you have the structuring this, the One of the key things in social media, especially and digital media, now with metaverse is even more important, is uh, packaging. How do you package something that could, that could go into the hands of people? Again, the master communicator, Jesus, showed us how he packaged his message. I mean, sitting in the, the well, talking to the Samaritan woman, he didn't like go about saying what he wanted to say. He packaged it in a beautiful, structured manner. I don't want to go to a sermon here, but basically uh, teaches us how how important packaging is. So we walk through the real packaging um, experience with the clients in this step. And uh, I help them think about the channels. What, like for example, Instagram needs a vertical packaging. Uh, YouTube needs a horizontal packaging. You need a square packaging. You need reels. You need uh, TikToks. You need uh, uh, short versions, long versions. So this so is where we go into about the format. Form. What's the format of the content that you're to, to, to yes. match the channel? Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
Yes. We start with even the message. How do you package yeah. a message? For yeah. example, uh, if you have a one-hour sermon, you can't have the one-hour sermon everywhere. So one of the things I see churches do is uh, take the one-hour sermon, put it on YouTube, put it on Instagram, but that's that's like you know putting it everywhere but yeah. jesus didn't do that he he first talked to people in one or two centers he in fact healed people then he went to the next level so if you see jesus yeah. had this real nice progression down the funnel he first displayed top of the funnel shot one-liners and then he went to do a little bit deeper then he mm -hmm. went to the boat where he had this big you know sermon then he went to the sermon on the mount which was even longer so i think you'll have to structure your message right from the content uh, planning mm -hmm. stage to the packaging stage. So uh, there we walk through the packaging. That's the P. And then uh, the third step, then we logically so, so, need to. So let me just ask on that. So let's say sure. you have a church that has a live stream and they put their live stream up and af afterwards it's available for folks. What would you advise to them would be the best way to package that? Is it like pulling out a clip? and putting those clips out there you're not you're not saying abandon the full live stream but you're saying take it and and repackage it in a way that meets the specific audience that you're that you're talking to is that is that what i'm hearing you say no absolutely because uh it, the longer form of content or the big message one hour 45 minutes 20 minutes whatever is a long form message that is where the transformation happens yeah. but unfortunately yeah. in the digital space that is down the funnel so if you yeah. can imagine a funnel uh, yeah. the transformation happens at the bottom of the funnel if you take that full content put it at the top of the funnel where people are just walking by now you can imagine yeah. somebody walking by the building you don't want to stand there and preach a one-hour sermon you would want them to come into the church so right there outside the church you're going to probably talk about the topic of the day or a shot so ideally uh, going back to your question if it's a live stream what i would recommend is before the live stream get your camera men or camera women outside and and ask the camera person to shoot like a 30 second one minute of your sermon before you walk on stage that's much much easier practically speaking because yeah. i know many many ministers i mean prepare and but at the last minute they have this inspiration they may even yeah. change the entire sermon because the spirit is leading them so i always say don't do ahead of time do yeah. it a backstage because you're yeah. ready to go and at that time, and also you're spirit-filled at that time, and there's just a dynamic, so the spiritual realm is there. So you get your camera person to come and capture a 30 seconds, a one-minute clip, mm -hmm. and that can be a fantastic top-of-the-funnel content. I mean, you can throw it on uh, Reels, on Instagram Reels, TikTok, Shorts, YouTube Shorts, all sorts of repurposing can be done with that one-minute version. Then people engage with that. Yeah. And they say, oh, is that what Bishop is talking about? Is that yeah. what our pastor is talking about? Then I want to listen to it. And then they come in and they listen to the whole thing. So down the funnel, you can still give you a packaged live uh, Yeah. Well, that what you did, the tip you just gave is so practical because it's hard. I mean, to go and try to pull out those clips is so, so hard to, to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah. so getting on to I, integrating. Integration. Because integration. Sorry, excuse me. Integration is um, is a, is a step that uh, is very relevant for Christian ministries because uh, in in a church uh, context, as you and me know, there's just a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So communication becomes a big challenge. Like even mm -hmm. the churches that I work with, even in the US, in other parts of the world, and here in India also, um, uh, we I see all these departments being working in silos. Right? You know, mm -hmm. men's group do their own thing. They have their own posting calendar. They do it. So you're just hoping that everything is fine, but you have no idea what's going on everywhere. So uh, I, when I thought about it a lot, and and God put this in my heart to add it 
it as one of the six things. I said, Lord, I only have six things. There's a lot to say. But he's like, no, no, no. You have to put it as one of the six things because that is where things break up in a sense. Mm. Things become diluted because each group is communicating something in their own way. Mm-hmm. Right. The men's group is doing certain things. Cycling group is doing certain things. Kids group is doing certain things. It's important for you to integrate and have a holistic mm-hmm. view, especially in the digital world, mm-hmm. because you are only thinking of the people in face to face in your mm-hmm. church. But the digital world is about the extended audience who will never probably come to your campus, but they're consuming your content. Now, imagine yeah. if I'm sitting in India and you are a church in the US and you have one message. I, I, I follow you and I let's say I'm a big fan of your church and I follow your sermon. So I listen to your sermon. It's on one theme and in one way. And then I say, oh, I love this ministry. I want my son or daughter to follow this. And I go to your kids ministry. Let's say it has a completely different approach. And it sounds, I mean, that's going to be a big disconnect for me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say, ah, mm-hmm. you know what? You know, that's not going to work. So you get what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. it, it becomes integration is a crucial part. Even today, many churches miss that simply because it's operationally inconvenient because you have volunteers managing and all that. So we basically in the consulting piece of the third uh, thing, we spent quite a bit of time uh, uh, thinking about systems and processes and tasks. How can you get everything together, even with volunteers? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's the third step. Yeah, and that that integration is is so key because I mean, digital right now is in, is integrated and is ubiquitous. So it, it digital touches everything, and so how what you're talking about is a consistent message and consistent brand across all the different uh, messengers that are coming out of the church. And uh, absolutely, that's, that's so key. And it, and you're right; it's 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 not easy to do to get everybody playing from the same playbook. Yeah, yeah, because the audience have just one experience. For them, it's yeah. it's one church. Like yeah. they just come to that church. For you, it may be like fifteen different departments headed by fifteen different people, lots going on. But for them, it's like one, you know. And yeah. maybe transforming that one person uh, is is what your ministry is all about, you know. So sometimes the, it turns out like that. So it's very important to integrate. It's, it's not a, a step that you can take lightly. Yeah, no. So what about the next one, R? What does that stand for? The release. So the next step is releasing. So releasing is is basically you've done all the hard work of preparing, packaging, structuring, all of that. Now, how do you, uh, in a systematic way, how do you release your content into digital? So this is like the the distribution uh, thing. It's almost like you can imagine Apple's uh, event. Like everybody's so excited about that day. You know, they all watch Apple's event because that's when they're releasing yeah. the product. Like yeah. people stand in line and they get the product because that's when the release happens. Now, mm-hmm. now that may look like a marketing hype, but there is a lot of science behind it because it's uh, because it's all about timing. Mm-hmm. Like even if you look at mm-hmm. companies like Apple and all these products, they they just time their release so uh, you know to the second mm-hmm. because there's just a lot of dynamics about it. So I think mm-hmm. the ministry sometimes miss that release uh, uh, part. They just say, okay, here's a sermon, it's ready. Let's first put it on YouTube. It's gone, yeah. and then you know yeah. after a couple of days we can do Facebook. After a couple of days, you are missing out on various things. For example, I'll just say one dynamic that's important. It's algorithmic. Uh, you know, momentum. Mm -hmm. This algorithmic momentum is so crucial. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the digital space, when you are trying to, let's say God has given you this revolutionary message, right? This message as a church, you know, when you, even as you prepare it, you know, this is going to transform the world and you're going to preach that this Sunday. 
Yeah. Now, it's so important in terms of timing that this gets the algorithmic momentum in the digital space that it deserves. Now, yeah. if you don't plan your release and your campaign uh, coordination in the right way, what happens is you will release sporadically, like you know, one channel, the next channel, the next channel, after a couple of days and all that. Now, you miss out on the momentum. Mm -hmm. But if you plan it properly, for example, if you say, Okay, first we are going to announce to our existing church audience mm -hmm. that we are going to release this on Friday evening at eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. So you prepare your existing audience. I mean, in the book, I talk about two types of audience, existing and extended audience. Mm -hmm. Existing audience is your church members. And by the way, church is, uh, is the only uh, industry in the world, uh, if you can call that for lack of another word, which has this unique advantage that no other industry has where we have a captive audience already <laughs> like like businesses would give anything to get that but you yeah. already have a captive yeah. audience and they yeah. would do pretty much anything you ask them to do so we have to make use of that so you go to your audience because once even if you have like a 50 people in your congregation if you go to the 50 people and say hey i have this thing from god and i think it's going to change the world and i'm going to release it at eight o'clock on friday i want all you 50 of you to go there like it comment and share it with your friends. Can you do that? And you can even give them like a crux of the message. So they, they buy in before they do that. They're not just doing it blindly. They just say, yes, I'm with you on this. And you do it. Imagine what happens. Because the algorithmically, Chad, as you know, uh, the first few minutes after you release the content is crucial. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, YouTube says the first 24 hours, what happens, determines almost the longevity of the entire video for the rest of their life, for years, mm -hmm. actually. Uh, even on Facebook, the first uh, few hours of release of a video determines how many people it reaches. So mm -hmm. if you get your 50-member congregation to time your release so that they go click, like, comment, share, Boom, I tell you, your message will reach at least, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe 50,000 or 100,000 people because mm -hmm. of the way social networking works. Mm -hmm. You know, they have friends, they have friends, they have friends. And the algorithm looks at it as a valuable content because it was just posted and 50 people have commented on it. That's like awesome, you know, it just yeah. So things like this, this is just one example, but basically release is a stage where we strategically and intentionally plan the way the message is going to go out into the world. Oh, that's, that's really good. And it's really easy for churches, especially to miss that. Like our church just went through a name change from Atlantic Evangelical Free Church to Grace Point Church. And, uh, you know, we had a launch day and we had an internal release and then we had an external release. But even mm -hmm. as you, and, and we encourage people to, hey, when it comes, like it, but it wasn't as concerted, I think, as what it could have been. So um, at the same time, I think, also, there's other even non-digital things that they can pull in as well, like press releases or connecting in the United States is through the Chamber of Commerce coming in and, and doing all those different things as well. And, but that takes a lot of coordination. It, it, uh, it, yes. it really does. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and we usually advise ministries to do it uh, in two, two phases. Like one could be your regular content. You can just yeah. decide a regular style of release, which need not be so much, you know, uh, coordinated. It can be something that you do as a routine, but even that is yeah. planned. But the yeah. big ones like Christmas service, Easter service, or one of those big messages that you get world transforming messages, those things need extra attention. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's good. And then what about igniting? 
Yeah, ignition is uh, one of the uh, last but the key factors. Ignition is basically, as you know, setting you know it on fire so that mm-hmm. it, it not only reaches a small group, but it goes across the world, across all your uh, you know uh, personas that are out there in the world who you want to reach. So ignition is basically setting your content on fire, literally. So when you put a, co- a content out there on social media, these are promotional techniques. So this is where it gets a little more technical. So it comes towards the end. So by the time we finish with these four steps, the ministries are ready. They've got their content. They've got their mindset ready to get a little bit technical into it. So what we do is along with the structuring of the release uh, 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 schedule, we get in the promotional aspect. So this is where ad budgets come into place. Uh, things like uh, Facebook pixels, YouTube ads, discovery ads, all of these things that are going to give it an extra push. So this is outside the organic realm uh, into the paid realm and also a little bit of PR uh, and things like that come into space. So depending on the uh, budget, depending on the intensity, depending on how big you really want to go, this ignition uh, can be as big as you need to be or as small as it needs to be, but definitely needs to be there. And as you, you and me know, it's a uh, you know, pay to play world. Uh, nothing's yeah. going to happen organically in any channel. So it needs to have a budget. It needs to have, uh, you know, something extra going behind it. So ignition is basically marketing promotion, a PR extra push, all that kind of influence, even influencer marketing, uh, which is actually picking up in the Christian world. Very interesting how it's picking up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I know the, the thing that I've seen with, with, especially with churches is that, they'll try it for a little bit and say, oh, that didn't work. <clears throat> and would you agree that it's important to be consistent? So like set your budget for a year and say, hey, we're going to commit to this for one year. And, and it's that, that compound a little bit over time that makes a big difference. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I give you an example because we work on this day and night. So we come across this all the time. So we, uh, just last week I had a call with, uh, with a client on an audit. And so we went into the Facebook page and I said, open it up. Let's see your ad account. And here they are, they spend hundreds of dollars. I mean, in one case, $500, but only for one and a half weeks. But they said, look, but I spent $500. I mean, nothing happened, but I said, but you spent that only on one and a half weeks. So they said, what do you suggest? I said, take that 500, same 500, don't spend extra, but don't do it for one and a half weeks, do it for four weeks. They said, why? Mm -hmm. I said, because if you look at the algorithm, like for example, let's just take Facebook, for example. Facebook, once you release an ad, what does Facebook do? Facebook, first of all, understands what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to promote as a ministry. So it has to first understand, then it needs to go into its database, which is like billions of people. Mm -hmm. And it has to find the right kind of people for that message. And Mm -hmm. that is what their business depends on. So they are pretty serious about it. Believe it or not, they are pretty serious about it. That's why they're growing. I mean, they're like trillion, you know, trillions of dollars, and they are extremely profitable. By the way, I think mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think last year their net profit was six billion or something. So it's yeah. crazy. The reason they're growing is because they do this job very well. That is, yeah. take a message, find the right audience. But for them to do that chat takes a little bit of time. Yeah. It takes a, what we call as a learning cycle. So yeah. if you go deep into Facebook's algorithm, uh, you you and me probably know that uh, the first few days is what they call as a learning phase. Mm-hmm. So every campaign takes a few days. It could be two days, three days, maximum seven days uh, to learn. So mm-hmm. almost this is an example that I give all my uh, clients. I say, imagine uh, in a room full of 
people, 50 people standing in a room or 100 people standing in a room, imagine a person holding a placard, which is your ad, going mm -hmm. and showing it to all the 100 people around the room, just walking around the room, right? And while they do that, the person who's showing it, which is Facebook in this case, is watching how each person reacts. Yeah. If the person yeah. is indifferent, they keep moving. But if the person looks twice or you know clicks on it or does something, they yeah. note it down. And yeah. then if four people out of the 100 do that, they send 96 people out of the room, they keep the four, and they bring another 96 people who are similar to these four people into the room. Mm -hmm. That's what the algorithm does. And again, this person goes around showing. And then they select maybe 10. Then they send the 90 out. And they bring another 90 who are similar to this 10. See, that is why if you think of it as the timing, you need mm -hmm. to give it some time. You need to give. So I typically advise clients to stick onto a campaign at least for four to six weeks for mm -hmm. them to see something. But as you say, I mean, I've had a campaign running for like two years, three mm -hmm. years. And one of the things I learned even in traditional marketing way back from one of my uh, mentors and virtual mentors, I did, I've never met him, um, uh, David Ogilvy, is if mm -hmm. something works, don't break it like yeah. leave it. Yeah. And we, yeah. I mean, he says, if an ad works for, for you, it brings in results, just leave it. So I've had uh, Facebook ads and YouTube ads working for me for years and I just leave it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, in fact, one of the Amazon ads that we run, I, have, I haven't touched it for like three years. I mean, hmm. it, it just keeps bringing me results. So that's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, what you just described there, that analogy of people in the room is probably, like I said at the top of the hour, being able to take something complex and breaking it down um, so, so if you're listening to this and you're having a hard time having your, your boss understand some of these nuances of Facebook, this is a great, a great example that you can, you can share with them. So that's, that's fantastic. And what about T? What does that stand for? Yeah. So the final piece T is tracking, which is where we bring in measurement reviews, KPIs, all that stuff. And Chad, my heart is so heavy when I talk about it because in, I, I have to say this because I'm now part of this, this, this cohort, I'm part of this community. We church people don't do tracking properly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to say that. I mean, we take it for granted. We take measurement for granted. Uh, so I I'm not generalizing. I'm not saying everybody, but most of us. Yeah, and, and that used to include me. So I'm putting that uh, myself into it. Uh, but, but that's so crucial, Chad. That's so crucial. Like we need to like look at metrics. We need to know what worked, what didn't work. It, uh, the thing is, it's not exciting. That's the part. So, uh, you know, you, you just look at the top numbers and say how many people did we reach right so is there a million people oh clap clap but what does that even mean like mm -hmm. a million people and what did they do like how many of them started a conversation with you if yeah. so how many of them were christians uh if so how many of them really made you know a connection with you did they talk about the gospel did they receive uh, your message did, did their life change i mean you can keep going drilling down with questions yeah. and yeah. and it's so important for us to review it so basically the t piece is where we sit with churches and ministries and we put a system in place for them to track the key metrics not just once, not just twice, but at least on a fortnightly basis, if yeah. not weekly basis. And I say, at least you should have an employee look at it on a weekly basis. Maybe the leadership can look at it on a monthly basis. And I'm like, if you if you spend like, let's say $100,000 a month on ads, uh, I mean, it's okay to spend an hour a month, you know, looking Absolutely. at how that went out, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, that's tea for you. 
I, it, 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 that's so good because it, it, like what you said, it's, it's uh, some ways it's the meat and potatoes that gets overlooked. And yeah. what's helped me is, is to realize when you're looking at those numbers, each visit, each user isn't just a click, it's a person. I mean, there is a, a real person. There's a soul behind Oops. each one of those. And uh, that, that shows you life being impacted. And uh, yeah, 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 that's that's why yeah. even in our uh, um, we we just rolled out uh, within the last few months a a ministry impact platform that is a website building platform, but it has a mm. whole area just for just for tracking and be able to say what are what are we measuring and how are we moving people through the engagement process with them, and that's uh, that's 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 key. That's critical. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard your message in our last event and I, what you guys are doing is absolutely incredible in terms of the way you help you have helped the ministries. So yeah, I totally, yeah, that piece is so crucial because I, I constantly hear how much resources are being put into the top of the funnel because that's where yeah. the excitement is, the ads, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the at the bottom, what happened and how it turned out is, is something that usually gets ignored. So yeah, yeah. No, so there you have it. Those are the six things. That's fantastic. That is uh, um, a great summary, and it's a very practical way for any church, any ministry to walk through their specific uh, specific area. So I would encourage encourage you if you're listening to this and you found that intriguing to to get a copy of the book, The Connected Church. And um, um, I know you go into a lot more detail on each one of those in, in the book. So I just encourage you to, to, to pick that up. Um, yeah. Speaking of, of, of books or resources, Nachi, what's one book or resources that's impacted you lately that you can share with our audience? Yeah, uh, I, I read uh, three books at a time, but one thing that I've been uh, rereading, at least for like four or five times now, but mm -hmm. off late I've been rereading is uh, the book called Spiritual Man by Watchman Nee. Uh, it's a classic, uh, which you might have known. One mm -hmm. topic that my wife, my wife and me, we have this weekly, Monday is our day off because we work for our church on Sunday. So we take Monday off and we send our uh, kids to school, kid, kid to school. We have one daughter. We send her to school and then we sit down and we talk about stuff. Off late, we've been talking about this spiritual concept of spirit, soul, and body. Hmm. So we wanted more clarity. We've done a lot of study on that. But the more you look at it, the more you're excited. So I picked up a spiritual man book again from my books uh, bookshelf. Uh, and uh, I have both the electronic and the uh, a physical copy. So I've been going through that. It's it's incredible. that hmm. The depth of just that one uh, concept is, is, I know it's not about digital, but yeah, yeah, that's the book we are. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that that's it's always encouraging to me to hear how uh like you sharing how Watchman Nee is impacting you. Others yeah. are sharing how, how how we're shaped so much by those outside of our field. And we can bring the depth back into to help us to be able to understand and communicate to people on on the basis of who they are, people. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, reading about the soul, I'm realizing mm -hmm. how the mind works and that kind of opens up new ways for me to share the gospel uh, on the digital space. So I'm like, yeah. watch me these impacting my digital work. I mean, I wish he knew, Absolutely. you know, I'm Absolutely. sure he does. I mean, uh, out of heaven, but uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with what he's saying. It's amazing how God helps uh, each of us minister to uh, everyone. And today, like you said, what we're doing today, we don't know who it's going to impact in what way in the days to come, you know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how can folks best get a hold of you, Nashi, if they want to 
Um, obviously, you can Google your book, find it on Amazon and other places, yeah. website, tw- but email, Twitter. What's the best way for folks to connect with you? Yeah, I do have a website and uh, various other social media presence, but the best place to connect is Instagram. Uh, if you are on Instagram, you can just look up Nachi Lazarus because that's where I share most of my stories. In, in fact, we share a very useful resource for church leaders. If you're a church leader, nonprofit leader, we share a weekly news, which actually we share today, every Wednesday. Uh, we take We skim through the entire hundreds of news items and we pick five of them and we present it in five minutes. So I've been doing this for the last 130 plus weeks uh, now, more than two years. Um, so uh, it's been it's been great. So you can find all of that in Instagram. So Instagram is the best place to connect. Um, but I also have my website, Nachi Lazarus. You can Google Nachi Lazarus. You will find my book. Uh, books available on Amazon worldwide. So yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us today. Great insights, great information, and uh, uh, we we wish you the best in your evening as we just are getting ready to enter the day. (laughs) Thank you, Chad. Always great chatting with you, my friend. Thanks for all that you do for our community. God bless. You know, I love Nachi's spirit, S-P-I-R-I-T framework. I really think it's a great way to think about digital ministry and, and taking your church or ministry really to the next level. And it, it covers the majority of the areas that you need to be, be thinking about. Have you ever wondered how your digital ministry compares with other ministries? Well, well, now you can know for sure. 5Q completed the first ever digital ministry benchmark study. You'll find answers to the questions like, what's the number one way to get ministries to our website? Or what's the most effective way to use social media? Or what about online fundraising? What are folks doing in the online fundraising realm? You'll find the answers to these and more from the Digital Benchmark Study. You can get it just by going to 5q.com slash benchmark. That's F-I-V-E-Q.com slash benchmark. Go there, download it, and let us know what you think. As always, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Until next week, keep learning, keep growing, and keep impacting your world for Christ.